to wear a little coffee. I come in, I'm gonna make coffee, and what do I do? Spill coffee all over my brand new white shoes. Not the shirt, the shirt is good, but what do I do? What'd you say? I can't hear you. Okay. Oh, tie-dye the shoes. Okay, so it's so echoey. Can you turn it so it's not? You don't think so? Oh, it feels so echoey. Okay, so this is our last week of the plot twist. The last several weeks we've been talking about twists, turns, surprises, and all these unexpected events that happened. I have a question for you. On a scale from one, this is the most embarrassed, no wait, I have to make sure I get my scale right. If you, a one is, I don't care if the whole world knew about it, okay? To five, I can't imagine anything more humiliating. What you're going to do is I am going to give you a scenario and you're gonna put up your number, how embarrassing this scenario is, okay? So, you finally get the courage to text your crush and they leave you on red. You know how it will be like red and doesn't respond. Is that a one or is that a five or somewhere in between? Put up your thing. Oh, so, some people are like, I don't even care. Okay. Now, question number two. You show up to school and realize you are wearing the same outfit as your best friend. Is that embarrassing, not embarrassing, or totally embarrassing? Okay, what if the person is your enemy? Then does it matter? Is it still a one? Okay. Next one. You try to text your friend about another friend who is super annoying, but you ac accidentally text that friend instead. Oh, that's a five. Okay. You, this one, you wait outside a store waiting forever for the automatic door to open only to find out it's not automatic at all. <laughs> okay. Um, you realize that you've had food in your teeth for at least the last three classes. Okay. Um, how about walking around all, I don't have a fly today, but how about walking around with, uh, with your fly down all day? Okay, okay. Sometimes the plot twists in our, okay. Some, sometimes the plot twists in our lives are beyond our control, and sometimes they just happen to us. Sometimes plot twists are totally in our control and impact our lives in a positive way. Maybe you take a chance or made a decision to try something new and it turned out for the best. Sometimes we cause our own plot twists accidentally in a not so great way. As we wrap up this series today, I want to talk about with you when the times when we screw up our own plots with accidents, mistakes, and mess ups. It can be pretty embarrassing to mess up, but it's bound to happen to all of us because none of us are perfect. And if you haven't messed up re recently, you probably will in the future. So I have two of my own stories to share with you of my mess ups, and one happen happens to be last week. 
And you're like, last week? So I said some words last week that came from a place of love, care, and concern, and honesty to all of you. But it came off by some people in this room that I was building a wall around myself. So I hope if you found my words to be breaking the bridge between me and you, that today I want to fix it. And my words were this. These are my exact words from my notes. And I added some, and I'll get to it. Sharing your story with people you trust can relieve some of the weight. We are not meant to do life alone. So reach out and talk to someone. A leader, a friend, a counselor, or myself. And then I said a line that I didn't really want to say, but I know where it came from. This was my line. I probably won't tell you what you want to hear. And some of you are like, okay, Amanda, no big deal. And some of you are like, that's pretty rude. What I want to clarify is this. You are always welcome to talk to me. I will always be honest with you and listen to you is what I really meant to say. Second story. I have a friend who decided that her and her family were going to move to another city. And she said, but you cannot tell anyone because if my family doesn't know, I don't know how they're going to receive this news, so please don't tell anyone. So she tells me this, and months go by. They, like, put their house on the market. They are looking at another house in the city they're going to buy, and they're starting to, like, make plans. And so I say to a friend, hey, friend T is moving to this city. And I don't know how. I don't know exactly how it happened, but all of a sudden, friend T's on the phone with me and goes, excuse me, you weren't supposed to tell anyone. And I was like, oh, shoot, I just thought. And so I did what any human tries to do. We tried to justify but our actions, but the truth was is that her family still didn't know. Trust was lost between us. Our mess-ups have real-life consequences for us and often the people around us. We don't mean to hurt ourselves or others. And maybe right now you're thinking of your own mistakes that still make you cringe with guilt or embarrassment. Maybe you're thinking about someone who hurt you recently with their mess-ups either accidentally or not. Either way, we all know what it's like when, when we mess up. And sometimes it's hard to fix the damage done. So a few weeks ago, we talked about how Judas betrayed Jesus along with the crowd of people when he was welcomed into the city. But there was a third betrayal that we didn't talk about at the time. It's one thing for the crowd, okay, they didn't really know Jesus personally. They maybe followed him. And it was worse to have Jesus' friend Judas betray him because he spent years with him. But this third betrayal is one from literally Jesus' best friend and his disciple named Peter. So, I need you to stay here for a minute. Remember Peter, and we're going to move on. So, we'll get back to Peter. Last week, I want you to turn right now to John 20. If you have a page number, call it up. John 20. 906. Thank you. 
So I'm gonna, while you keep looking, I'm going to keep talking. So over here, we left off last week. The disciples are in a room. They're scared. They've locked themselves in. Jesus appears to them. And we're going to, the story continues, that after Jesus appeared to them, the disciples went back and said, for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you the story, said, Thomas, because Thomas wasn't with him, guess what happened? We saw the Lord. And Thomas says, unless I see in his hands, I'm in verse 25, unless I see his hands in the mark of nails and place my finger into the mark and into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, the disciples and Thomas are in a room, once again with the door locked, clearly they're fearful, and Jesus appears to them right there. And he says the line that he said from last week. Peace be with you. And then he went to Thomas. He looked at Thomas and he said, put your hands here. Put your hands here. And the words he said, do not disbelieve, but believe. And instantly, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He believes right there because Jesus met him exactly where he needed it at the time. I'm always a why person. I always ask, well, why, does it, why do we do it that way? Why does this person do it that way? And sometimes you could compare me to a two-year-old. You know, why? But why? That sometimes is me. And I always want to know why. So the next verses in John that John wrote, I super appreciate because it tells me why. Verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs signs in the presence of his disciples which are written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name he was an eyewitness we always want eyewitnesses and he's not writing this to build up himself he's not writing it just to be a good storyteller he wrote it so you and me can hear from someone who was actually there that saw Jesus die be rose from the dead, and would believe so that we can have a relationship with him. Okay, the story continues in chapter 21. Seven disciples come together and they're like, don't, okay, I'm just going to turn whose ever phone this was. It's not mine. It's dad. Someone's dad's calling them. Um, okay, so um, seven disciples are hanging out and they're like, let's go fishing. Okay, I don't know, this is kind of a weird thing, but many of you in this room, I talked to one tonight who was like, I want to go fishing. So he is going fishing, okay? They all get together in this boat, and in, maybe they decided to go fishing because Jesus isn't there and they're used to following him. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they thought, I have to get some money for my family. I'm going to go back to do what I used to do. Whatever their reason is they go fishing, and verse 3 John 21 verse 3 says, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So dad can't reach you, so he's reaching the sister. That's what's happening. Okay, we're going to keep reading. Verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. 
That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but had but about a hundred yards off. Peter's so excited, he's in the boat, that he jumps in and swims all the way to shore to see Jesus. Verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net fish full of large fish, 153 of them to be exact. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Once again, what does Jesus do? He serves the disciples and provides for them abundantly. Some people wonder, why would John even put this story here? And there's two theories. Number one, last week Jesus told them, receive the Holy Spirit and you're going to go out and have a mission. He might be showing them, hey, you thought you could go fishing on your own? You caught nothing. You need me for everything you do to provide. Number two, John is setting the scene. Jesus and his disciples are around. They're eating breakfast. He's setting the scene for a really important conversation that's about to happen. The scene is set. But before we go there, we need to go back here. Remember, we talked about Peter. I love flashbacks. You know when you're watching a show and then it flashes back? You know why I love them? Because it answers the question, why? Why is this happening? Why is this person this way? But you know what I love more than flashbacks? Previously on. You know why? Because sometimes I forget what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, did I even see that? Okay, so we're going flashback over here. Jesus is with Judas, his disciples, they're eating the Passover meal. Jesus says, whoever gives, I give this piece of bread to is going to betray me. He gives the bread to Judas. Judas pieces out because he knows that he's in trouble and he's going to do what Jesus said. But the story continues, and we didn't touch this. He says, one of you at this, or no, no, no. He says, I'm with you, and I'm going to leave you. And I want to make sure I get the words right. And Peter says, why are you leaving? Why can't I go with you, Jesus? And he says, I would lay down my life for you, Jesus. And Jesus answers, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. While this might seem like a plot twist to us, it definitely wasn't surprising to Jesus. Peter was like, no, Jesus, I will not do that. And he rejected with his whole heart that he would never do that to Jesus. But when Jesus was arrested, Peter messed up. Three times someone asked him, aren't you friends with Jesus? And three times he said no. He said, I don't know that guy. Three different times. 
As soon as he realized what he had done, I'm sure Peter was horrified and ashamed. And he must have been replaying those words over and over in his head about Jesus predicting this, him saying no, and him doing it. And now he saw him on a cross because he said he didn't. One of the reasons might be because he said he didn't know him. Let's go back to this story. Jesus is around the fire. They're having breakfast. Verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. If Jesus were more like me, which thank goodness he's not, he would have been like, Peter, you betrayed me. What the heck? He would have, I would have totally called him out. I'm a justice person. I would have been like, excuse me, you wronged me. You sold me out three times. And could anyone blame him? None of us have ever been in Peter's exact situation, but we all know what it's like to mess up and let someone down that we love. We've all disappointed a parent, a teacher, a coach, and then had to face them again. Maybe we said something hurtful to a friend that we really loved. We've felt the weight of wondering how the person will respond when we see them again. I was super scared to see my friend again because I had broken our trust. Will they be mad at us forever? Will they never speak to us again? Will they humiliate us in front of everyone? These are all things we humans do and think, but that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he shared a meal with Peter. He forgave Peter, and Jesus gave Peter another chance. Jesus chose to forgive Peter in a beautiful and strategic way. Three times, Peter denied knowing Jesus. So three times, he says to, Jesus says to Peter and invites him to be with him. Forgiving someone doesn't always mean the relationship goes back to the way it was, though. Some relationships are too broken to go back to the same way or to even be in connection again. But not so with Jesus. He forgave Peter. He picked up where they left off. And then Jesus invited him to do more of a role, to go on a mission for him. And if he did it for Peter, he'll do the same for us. Just like Peter, when we mess up, Jesus gives us another chance. Maybe you're wondering, does Jesus just hand out the chances for free? Does it happen automatically? Do I need to do something or say something? 
Or what do we do when we still mess up and it feels awful? Just like we saw Peter do, there are things, some things that we can say to Jesus when we really mess up. Number one, admit guilt. Feeling guilty feels yucky and bad, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Feeling guilty is a signal to us in our bodies that we need to make something right. So when you feel guilty about something that you have done or not done, have a conversation with that person and especially God. Number two, reject shame. Guilt says, this is guilt over here, says I messed up and I want to make it right. Shame says I messed up and will never get it right. Did you hear the difference? Guilt says I messed up and I want to make it right. Shame says I messed up and I will never get it right. Guilt moves us to change. Shame keeps us stuck, feeling unworthy and like a failure. When Jesus sees us with hope and potential, he sees someone he loves. Live like you were forgiven. When we've messed up, sometimes we are our worst critics. We get stuck in our past and our imperfections and we want to just live there. Imagine if Peter did that. If he would have got stuck in this loop of saying, okay, God, okay, Jesus, I'm so sorry, but I can't move on, he would have never moved on to impact the gospel and to spread Jesus and have people know him in the world like he did. Yes, we've all messed up, and we will again. But Jesus offers you not only forgiveness, but a fresh start. So go live like it. At the back... And in your rooms, at the back, there's some pieces of paper. And it's like a comic strip. And it will give you instructions of what to do. But if you'd like a creative way to think about some things that maybe you're holding on to of guilt, shame, and not living forgiven, you can draw these out and discuss them in your groups. They're back there, and there are coloring or drawing things in your rooms that you can um, connect with when you get there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the work that you have done by sending your son to this earth. And Lord, we each day we mess up and we don't know where to look or what to do. And so Lord, help us to realize to not live in shame, to feel our guilt and make it right with the people in our lives that we've bumped up against and wronged. Help us to live forgiven. Help us to live in the freedom that we have of, because of you. And so, Lord, I pray for our conversations this evening that they would be real, that they would be raw, and that we can leave this space living like we are forgiven and telling others that they are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, sir.